a Finance Guy podcast, a show for all genders and species about bringing some humanity and a bit of fun to the world of finance and tech and leaving you with a little something that can help you on your way. All right, please enjoy. Thanks. Meeting powered by Amazon Time. Please enter your meeting room and press the pound key. All right. Welcome, everybody, to another episode of the Finance Guys and Tech podcast and Finance Guys TV. Today, we bring you another esteemed guest, our good friend, Melissa Brown. Melissa, Hello. welcome to the show. Yeah. Thanks for coming on. Um, I'm going to read a short bio just to right. give everybody the context, all right? And then we'll jump into it, all righty? All righty, let's go. Okay, sounds good. Um, okay, today we have our friend Melissa Brown, who is the global FPNA lead in AWS infrastructure for the design, innovation, and construction of AWS data centers worldwide. Melissa received her undergrad degree in mathematics and French from Bryn Mawr College in Pennsylvania. She began her career as a fund manager at Unit Trust Corporation before going back and getting her MBA at the Wharton School at UPenn while also obtaining her MA in International Studies from the Water Institute, also at UPenn. Uh, upon graduation, she held several roles in consulting and finance at Deloitte, Inter-American Investment Corp, and Burlington Stores before joining Amazon three years ago in 2018. So, Melissa, again, welcome to the show. Happy to be here. Two of my favorite people on the team. Uh, <laughs> but, so, but, Melissa, tell me, no, no, let me ask a question before please. that. How can, you, how can you study French and math together, you know? I know it's left brain and right brain, and I just really like them both. I liked my math classes. I liked my math professors, and same with French literature. Um, there's nothing like reading 15th century literature to just get you super excited. So <laughs> here I am. Oh wow. So tell us, we usually start going way back. Tell us what were you like growing up as a kid? Um, what did you want to be, and, and what was your what was your childhood like? Sure. So growing up, I think like if uh, my family and friends had to describe me, they'd say I was like friendly, very happy, smiley, um, precocious, um, talkative for sure, and very curious about the world. So I grew up in Trinidad and Tobago, so it's a small island. Um, but we were always, I was always very global facing. So I was very rooted in my culture, but I was always external looking at the same time, which is a little bit interesting. Um, and then growing up, I think, you know, just like having very huge extended family on both sides, my dad's side, my mom's side, really close to my grandparents, my aunts, uncles, cousins, and I have one sister. And, you know, just coming out of that curiosity and growing up in a country that is so, you know, small, but we like to think we have a big impact. I think that kind of led me to where I am today. Were you like a, a studious type of child or were you sort of adventurous or sports or what was your... Thing. I I think I was definitely studious, like I am that person who wanted my penmanship to be right and my math numbers to be right, so I definitely was studious. I loved reading, but I also had cousins and family members who were super athletic, so they played sports as well. So growing up, my uncle used to take us to swimming and just like a lot of sports, um, just like growing up doing stuff. Um, so definitely more studious. I'm not the person that is going to be like, yeah, you want me on your basketball team or you want me in a relay race, but I can definitely hold my own without embarrassing myself. I can say that much. 
Right on. And then um, you went to college in Pennsylvania, and that was where you started on the math kind of course. What was um, your thoughts at the time? Did you know you wanted to what you wanted to be, or did you have any idea? I had actually, I really didn't have any idea. I just knew that I really loved numbers and I loved words and how they came together, especially in a foreign language. So that's where my passion really was. It was just like in learning and in learning things that were non-traditional. What I loved about math is that I could take like a problem that was not related to that seemed super abstract and put it in numbers and then I could like prove it out to be something so that was exciting to me and for French it was just like being able to communicate and learn about a different culture and a different different times because um, it was a lot of French literature um, so that for me was super exciting um, Interestingly, I think when I was my sophomore year at Bridmore, we could take classes at Penn. So I went to Penn, I'm taking this French class, and there was this uh, guy in my class who was doing the Lauder program. So it was like undergrad and grad, but he was taking all these extra classes, and his French was impeccable. And I was like, oh my goodness, I, and he spoke about the Lauder program, and I think it was like maybe my sophomore year, I think, or junior year. I decided, like, you know, when I graduate from Bridmore, I'm going to one day do the Wharton and the Lauder program. So that was the one thing I knew for sure um along the way so that is as far as it got going going to when i was in college so you were studying french literature in college and like that was an interest to you yeah, it was like, you know, just lean, uh, learning about the different time, uh, different time periods um, and also like le looking at how language evolves over time and words change over time. So that was um, exciting to me. And then learning to speak the language fluently. And I kind of continued that when I went to the Lauder program, since part of it is being like at least superior or advanced in the language. So for me, it's always been like, what else is there out there? How are people learning? Like, what was the architecture and the history behind it and how words evolve over time? So. Yep. Did you spend time in France ever with it or travel around? Oh, yeah. I mean, like, uh, I usually try to go to France almost every year if I can. And then um, I study there. We were there with the Lauder program over the summer. And that was part of the immersion course. We were just very, very much immersed in the program. And no one really speaks English um, in the classes or anything like that. So that was very immersive experience. So, yep, definitely have done that. Way cool. It, was it was it like part of your career like aspirations to take French or was it just your intellectual like desire to get an MA and um, you know keep studying in in grad school? Um, I think I just always loved the language. I love the culture, the food, um, the architecture. Very interested in the history. It's so different. You know, when i coming from Trinidad, which is a small island, as well as, you know, a newer country in the sense that, you know, we got independence in, like, 62, and then you look at somewhere like France, who's been around for, like, centuries and so on. So it was just, like, you know, an interesting juxtaposition against how I grew up and my experience coming, being from Trinidad and Tobago. So it was just my own personal interest. Cool. Cool. So, Marisa, any plans of moving to uh, you know Europe and doing a stint in AWS in Europe? <laughs> I always have that plan. You know, where they're in your I don't know one of those things that we have for career planning where they're like, if you're not here, where would you want to work? And I'm always like Paris, London, but I haven't <laughs> gotten there yet. So I just um, we'll see. Who knows? Who knows? So yeah, tell I know. us. Tell us about like your origin story to Amazon. What attracted you to the company and, and why did you want to join? So I was literally just minding my own business and they reached out on LinkedIn and um, 
I don't know if I could tell this, but coincidentally, at the time, we were just, like, doing some analysis around, like, the retail space because I worked in strategic finance. And I thought, oh, you know, kill two birds with one stone, stone um, I could do work as well as prepare for my interview. And so I ended up here, and I was like, you know, I'll go through the process, and then I'll figure out what it is. But for me, it was like AWS. Like, it's a leader. It's moving so fast. It's growing so fast. It's like nothing else that I'd ever experienced. So it was a no-brainer once I got an offer. Yeah. And did anything surprise you when you started working here that you hadn't expected? Um, I think I was really surprised by how flat the organization was. I remember going to my first WBR, and it was like so many people, and our um, business SVP was in there, our tens, our vice presidents were in there, and just everyone was talking. And, you know, we got our little finance slide, and I had to talk about what I had to talk about. And I was like, oh, this organization is really, really flat. Um, The other thing that surprised me is uh, I think – We really live our leadership principles. Like a lot of people have their mission statements, and it's kind of something you refresh once a year and remind people of in your all hands or whatever. But people really do live the leadership principles. If you do not know it, um, before you join, within two weeks, you're going to know each leadership principle and have heard it in one or two sentences every single day. Yeah. Well, when you were joining, did you study them, like, for interviews? Because, you know, they talk about it in recruiting a lot to sort of prepare people. Did you do that prep? Yeah, I did. I wouldn't say like I study them. I definitely read them to understand what they really meant um, more than just like a list. Like what does it really mean when they say you, they expect you to be lean and be curious? What does customer obsession mean? So I kind of really wanted to understand the essence of each leadership principle. And so that was really what I um, focused on as I was preparing for the interview. Yeah. What would you tell people who are preparing for interviews now is like, what are you looking for when, if you're hiring or when you're in a loop, you know, what could you tell people? Um, I think basically as you're going through this and depending on how much work experience you have, look for, you know, your best examples that apply to each leadership principle um, and then really understand what the leadership principle means and how your example relates to that. And always think about like, what's the data behind it? Like regardless of the leadership principle, we want to know what's the data, what's your outcome. So I would say as you're prepping for any Amazon um, AWS interview, just a finance interview, just think about like the leadership principle, your best examples, Um, And also just, you know, be super succinct about it. Like, can you give a 30-second pitch of your learn and be curious example? Like, and will people be able to get the gist of what you did, what you actually did, and what was the outcome? So that would be my advice to people as they're preparing for any Amazon interview. Got it. One last tip. I know at the end, a lot of interviewers leave, like, five or ten minutes to ask questions, definitely take advantage of that time. I know sometimes people are like, well, what do I ask? Um, but, you know, really ask questions at that time because that will allow you to really understand whether it's a good fit for you, the role, the company, because that's super important. You don't want to just come here because of the name. You want to come here because it's a good fit and you enjoy the work and you can grow in the organization um, and at Amazon. Those questions, one thing Go ahead. Go ahead. I'll ask you. One thing I was a little curious about uh, when going through a LinkedIn profile is that, uh, you know, your profile started in investments, you know, and uh, and it has all throughout been in investment with a small consulting stint, you know. So how how did you, um, you know, uh, why did you come to this business finance sort of uh, side of it? 
and not staying in the investment? Like what drove you to that? I think um, wanting a change, I kind of like the way I look at it and I do this kind of every year is I look at my entire professional experience to date and be like, what is the, what is the gap? What is the opportunity? What is next for me? I think it could like if you're doing the same thing, of course, you know, you put in your 10,000 hours and you're an expert, right? So this point in time, or you could be like, what else can I learn? What else can I do? How else can I challenge myself? And for me, it's like, what was the next big challenge? And I hadn't done FP&A. Um, so that was that made sense to me and i think kind of like in any finance function you look at uh, any of our leaders right you look at our leader like she's done fpna look at our um big leader she's also done fpna so it's kind of like a core functional finance skill that's good to have yeah i, I think that's a very good point like uh, so so talk us through a little more about fpna like if people are uh, you know <laughs> caring about it because charlie and me you know we are primarily doing business finance what do you expect from a person who is doing FPNA, who is leading FPNA, who, or who wants to aspire to be an analyst in an FPNA function? What what sort of skill set uh, does he uh, need to have, or she so, needs to have? Yep. So he or she would need to have, I think, a couple of core skills. So first of all, it's attention to detail, right? So you're looking at trends, you're looking at what's happening, but you're also fly, flying at like 58,000 feet. So you guys are sometimes at like helicopter level and I'm flying like an Airbus, right? So I need to be able to look at everything that's going on and understand like, does this make sense? <laughs> does this fundamentally make sense? So that's one thing. Um, so you need to be able to have attention to detail, but at the same time, can you up-level information? So can I take what you guys are telling me and you all know how it goes and then put it in a way to try to you know tell it to my tent to tell it to you know an ace is asking question or whatever it is. So for me, for me, that's one, attention to detail and being able to up level. Um, the third thing is like, can you be dive in? So you need to be able to dive deep. So you're you need to at any given moment you're going to jump off that plane and soar to the ground or fall to the ground in a controlled fall to be able to say okay does this make sense and if it's like what are the drivers what's happening there can i explain this do i really understand what's happening here can i explain it um the final thing that i would say it's important is being able to look ahead so a big part of fpna is like okay someone has asked me this one question what are the follow-on questions that are coming and can I prepare for those follow-on questions? Can I think ahead to answer those follow-on questions? So I would say, you know, thinking ahead, another big part of it is that there are so many competing deliverables at the same time. How can I kind of like manage this to be able to have some kind of work-life balance, but also not to create a lot of churn um, for you guys, for me and my team? So I think those would be kind of like the important skills if you're going into an FP&A kind of role. Talking about that last point on, you know, the infamous work-life balance, how do you approach that at Amazon? You know, three years now, you're, uh, you're a veteran. So, like, how have you made it and, like, how do you manage the demands with the balance? What's your strategy? Um, so for me, I kind of look at, especially in an FPNA role, like there are times that are super busy when we're doing our 2021 planning and there are times when they are not. So in the super busy times, I just expect, you know, it's going to be super intense. And then once things slow down, I try to have more balance. I know you can never catch up and lost sleep, but those are the times that I'm going to try to get into like meeting up with my friends. I love to travel. So traveling, um, getting my workouts in because I may have neglected working out while I'm in these super busy time periods um, and just doing things that relax me, things I enjoy doing. Um, so 
those are that's how I manage it. I don't expect every single day to be the same. Like I'm not like, okay, I'm gonna end work at five o'clock, I'm gonna have lunch at twelve o'clock every single day. I tend to be flexible depending on what the day looks like and then um I adapt. But once I'm offline, I'm pretty good at like finding ways to decompress and then I'm offline. Like I'm not the kind of person Charlie, who's like Charlie, she comes from Trinidad and Tobago, you know? So she, exactly. she comes from a land which knows how to party, you know? That's not a question you should ask, you know? <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. We're having a good time, so. Once having a I'm good time. You know, actually, there was, there was like, uh, I don't know, there was a, a brand in India, Kingfisher, and they used to say having a good time, you know? And it uh, it related to everything in Antigua, in uh, Barbados, you know, because it's a pretty uh, cricket-heavy uh, yeah. place, uh, uh, you know, West Indies, for that matter. I know, and I'm sure you know that at any cricket match you go to, you're going to have a good time. Even if you're at home watching cricket, you're having a really, a really good time regardless. So I think it's also very much just in my DNA. So, I, so even Bob Marley was from uh, the same place, right? If Bob I... Marley is from Jamaica. Rihanna is okay. from Barbados. And <laughs> Trinidad and Tobago, we have a number of people, including uh, Nicki Minaj. Just just to oh, give man. you guys. Oh, cool. <laughs> So then, um, like, as far as, as, like, I don't know, work-life balance and work-life harmony are kind of the buzzwords. What would be your advice to people? Is it just to keep that perspective and, and keep those the right expectation? Is that the, the trick? I think keeping the right expectation and being flexible. So, you know, you may want to have a super rigid schedule. It may not always look like that every single day of every single month. But adapt when you can. And just, like, when you're off, just be off, like, I know sometimes, and even with my team, I'm like, you guys, like, be off. Like, it's the weekend. We have nothing going on. Like, go have a good time. Go walk in the sun. Take your dog yeah. for a walk. Like, do something else that's not checking your email. Yeah, yeah. So let's let's kind of change tax now as we get to the end of the show, towards the end of the show. Like, what do you like to do in your time off? What do you do to relax? You mentioned travel. Um, do you read? Do you watch movies? What's your thing? I like I love reading. Um, I like doing calligraphy, which is um, my thing these days. I like math, French, calligraphy, you know. Yeah. <laughs> I know. Yeah. It's like opposite I, spectrums, you know. <laughs> I know. I know. <laughs> it's unique. And um, I like working out. And, uh, um, yeah, I think, like, those are the things I like. Just definitely, I'm not a big. I would watch movies, but I'm not someone who's like gonna sit down and watch movies for hours and hours. Even though now in quarantine, I have not much else to do besides watching Netflix, Disney, Hulu, and everything else of of stream any other streaming service I've subscribed to. But yeah, that's what I like to do. Let me ask: When you do calligraphy, do you just like cinder tree and like write like poems in beautiful like handwriting or something like? Uh... <laughs> I, you know what? Sometimes I might, I can write anything. Like I might see a word somewhere, I might write it. I like write, you know, writing my name, um, yeah. and just trying different fonts um, and different styles, uh, different pens. So that's my thing. I have way too many books and papers. What stuff I just do repeatedly. What What's your um, like exercise regime? We always kind of get into the health and fitness side on the show, and um, we're always looking for tips. So what does that look like for you? So these days I do, so it varies. So it depends on my energy level and depends on how hard I want to go. Now that, you know, gyms has open back up, hopefully it stays open for a minute, I tend to do more strength training. So 
deadlifts I like to do. I really hate lunges, but I do that. Um, I also like, like, if I have a short period of time, so now that we're working from home, I sometimes disappear and people think I'm on lunch, but I'm actually just doing 15 minutes of hits. Um, something else that I do is I live in a building that has many floors, so I walk up and down the stairs, so that could be, like, 40-plus um, floors. There's, um, so I do all of that stuff. I really like spins, so, you know, if you can get in there and do some Peloton, and then there's just, like, so much culture around it right now where you could, like, join groups from your school, join groups um, for music and so on. So that's really what I do. But I'm not someone who, like, can do the same routine all the time, so I'm never going to just do spin every day. I'm never going to do strength training every day or hits every single day. I like to mix it up because I get bored. Um, that's, yeah. that's inspiring. That's inspiring. Okay, we're going to uh, we're gonna let Sid sign off. He's got to jump to a meeting. We've got a couple wrap-up questions that I'm going to take. But, um, okay, guys. Thanks, Melissa. Uh, thanks, Charlie, you know. Uh, sorry, guys, I have to uh, jump off. I'm being pinged, you know. Because, like, the I life. know how it goes. <laughs> yep, COVID life on Chime. So no worries, no worries. Um, and I've got a couple more, Melissa, so you stay on. Okay. okay. So one thing we we typically ask people is, um, like, who are three people that if you could have lunch or, like, coffee with in all of history, who would you like to meet up with? Um, so I would say the first prime minister of Trinidad and Tobago, just because, you know, just kind of like just figuring out like, oh, we don't want to be a colony anymore and we're going to go and do this thing and setting up a whole country as a small nation. I'd like to be like, what were you thinking? And then he was like one of the first people to like go abroad to study um, in England and so on. So he had just, you know, reading his biography, just like so many different experiences as someone from an island going to London and so on. So him for sure. I'd also like to say one of my favorite authors, um, and he was a great humanitarian, Ali Weisel. He wrote Night. Um, just like his story, his, you know, his sense of humanity, his ability to persevere under the most difficult situations, for sure. Um, and the third person, going back a little bit to my math origins, would be anyone from, I'm sure, the popular movie Hidden Figures of these women who were like human computers that helped um, NASA as well. So I think those would be like my main people I'd like to sit and have a good dinner with and be like, how did you do the things you did? How did you persevere? You know, just being um, the first in difficult situations. How do you do those things and still remain, you know, just grounded and and uh, don't give up in humanity and don't give up in anyone. So, yeah. Oh, yeah, that would be super interesting. Um, do you have any, um, like, favorite books or any, yeah, any books that you might recommend? Um, doesn't have to be your favorite, but okay. Um, so one book that I'm reading now, I haven't completed it, but I think it's super good. I think it's like called The Power of Voice. So I heard about it because I follow Halle Berry online and she recommended it. It's like her voice coach who basically trains a lot of voice people, um, does a lot of voice work in Hollywood for some of the biggest names. And it's basically like telling you how to communicate effectively in a way that your message lands. So it's like, um, it was interesting to me because I didn't realize how much work went into actors using their voices. But it's it's like she's giving you kind of like the tips and tricks and techniques and why it's important. And so I would say that is a good one. I think for me, you know, effective communication is super important and it's something that I'm continuing to work on um, always. So I, would, I haven't finished a book, but so far I think it's like a super practical book that's not um, too academic in a sense, but it, gives, it has the right level of advice 
and storytelling in it. So it's kind of like motivational at the same time. Cool, cool. And it's not really one that I would have thought to pick up, you know? Um, I know, so, same. same. Yeah, we never knew yeah. the recommendations you could find on Instagram. That's why we ask. That's why we ask. Um, kind of as a um, as like a parting question, what we usually ask people is, what's your general life philosophy? What's your approach to the whole thing? And like, what would you tell people as maybe just kind of your advice on, yeah, on life? Oh, life. Okay, I was gonna say in finance. Um, well, I would say. Let's yeah. do a two-parter, maybe advice in finance and like from a career perspective, and then let's get to the second part of like just life. Um, from a career perspective, I would definitely say um, at any point, once you have an opportunity or if you're evaluating where you need to go professionally, um, trust that you're going to make the best decision possible with the information that you have. Um, so I would say that and that it all comes together and works out in the end. It's not going to be linear. It's not going to, it may not be traditional, but it will all come together in the end and it makes for a super rich professional experience. So I would say that as my finance advice, and this is coming from someone who studied math and French. <laughs> Take that as for what you will. Um, the second thing that I would say, my general life advice would be like, stay optimistic. I kind of, I'm not the Debbie Downer kind of person. I tend to just be very optimistic and hopeful overall. So see the silver lining even in difficult situations. And then I would also, you know, I just live by do unto others as you would have them do unto you. So for me, I'm like, well, you know, if I want somebody to extend me some grace in the situation, because my, my doc is still in process, I'd extend, you know, pay it forward for someone else. So that's yeah. kind of like how I, I look at it. But overall, just like be optimistic. It all works out in the end. Great words, definitely. And um, I'm just keeping an eye on the clock. And so we, we keep a tight ship here at Finance Guys. So I just want to end by saying thank you for taking time out of your busy schedule to chat with us and share some of your experience. And um, it's, been, it's been great getting to have this conversation. So thank you, Melissa. Same here. We don't usually have these kinds of conversations um, for like 30 minutes. So I think it was a lot of fun and yeah. happy to be involved. I'm so glad you guys are doing this podcast. It's excellent. Oh, cool. Thank you. Thank you. Well, now you're part of the... Yo, what up, everybody? Thanks for tuning into the podcast. Don't forget to subscribe. Feel free to leave a rating, review, what have you. But most of all, go have a fantastical day. Okay? We'll see you soon. Goodbye.